Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Let's read our key passage for 2022 together. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you that your word brings grace and your word brings truth. And I pray as we tackle a very, very difficult subject today, you give me wisdom. Father, you'd help us understand your heart for this subject. You'd help us to understand your heart is pure. Your heart is for us to grow. Your heart is love. Father, I pray that people wouldn't just hear my words today, that they would hear your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can take a seat. As I just prayed, I'm going to tackle something tricky today. I make no apologies for it. Now, the content of today will be a little bit more sensitive. So if there are any young people, I've asked all the young people to stay in for this session, and young adults, because I feel it's very applicable. But if there are children, or sorry, if there are young people under the age of 14, I want just to make you aware as parents. And we hardly talk about this subject in church because it is very uncomfortable. So I need you to stay with me today. I'm going to start with a story, the fact that Richard Nash shared with me on the phone on Friday. And I think it's applicable to start with this. There was a wealthy businessman who was looking for a chauffeur to drive him around. He found three likely candidates, and he pulled them all in for an interview. And he said, he asked them all the same question. He said, when I drive from my home to work, I have to go past a cliff. I want to know how close you could get me to that cliff so I can see the dolphins bouncing in the morning. So the first enthusiastic guy came in, he said, I can get you within six meters of that cliff every morning. He said, thank you. Brings in the next person. He says, how close can you get me to the cliff, to the dolphins? He says, I can get you within three meters. You'll be virtually in the sea with them. The third person came in for the interview He said, sir, he says, I'm going to get you as far away from that cliff as possible and keep you safe. And too many of us are skirting far too close on the cliff edge of what I'm going to talk about today. I want to talk about purity. Don't all clap at once. (laughs) Don't all clap at once. It's a big subject. And I want you to stay, I think when you talk about purity, I think can we stay open-minded? Stay open-minded around this subject. And I want to start with a question. Start with a story, now I want to go with a question. Is it possible in the 21st century to live a sexually pure life? But to answer the first question, we actually have to ask another question. Because I must decide this, does God know more about my life than I do? 
want you to write that down if you take a note. This is a critical question, not just around sexuality, not just around life, but this is, this is a big question when it comes to our spiritual life. Does God know more about my life than I do? If you believe that he does, then this is for you. So let's keep both these questions in our thinking as we try to unpack the answer. To be sexually pure in the 21st century, or probably every other century, we need a standard to live by. Yeah. Yes, that's true. And you and I have to choose what standard we live by. We can either choose the standard which we choose, or we can choose the standard which God chooses. Yeah. Our challenge is sex is everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Social media, billboards, magazines, television, everywhere we look, we are bombarded with sex. I was in Sainsbury's recently, went to buy some yogurt, and there's a woman in a bikini on my yogurt. And I'm thinking, what's that got to do with low-fat, organic, gluten-free, blueberry, creamy yogurt? Because what they're trying to say is, if I eat that... I hope I won't look like that, but (laughs) sex sells. The world has never been so sexualized. In fact, I'm going to call it this. I'm going to go as far as to say we are actually living in a porn pandemic. A porn pandemic. 30% of the world's downloadable data now is pornography. A staggering statistic for us, 68% of men worldwide view pornography at least once a week. 18% of women. One in five searches now on the internet is for porn. Sexting has now become so normalized in society. If you're unaware of what sexting is, it's when you send uh, naked images of yourself to the World Wide Web and hope that no one who shouldn't get them gets hold of them. And the world is becoming very numb to the porn pandemic we have around us. The reason we started with that scripture is because it's interesting the choice of Isaiah's words. He says, see, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness. We are entering a new chapter of the world where there is a deep darkness. Pornography is a deep darkness on society. Deep darkness. I am told that there is more child pornography on the website Pornhub than anywhere else on the web. And we have legalized it. And girls and boys, but mainly women, are being trafficked into this industry, and yet we have made this normal in society. And society continually bombards us with sexual innuendos and adverts and marketing. And so then we live in this constant tension, and the tension is, are we going to build our lives on what society dictates or what the Bible says? What society dictates, or what the Bible says. You know, the enemy is continually lying to us on the subject of sex. John 8, 44. John 8, chapter 8, verse 44. And the NIV says, he is a liar. Says Jesus talking about who the enemy is. He is the father of lies. 
Today I want to expose the enemy and I want to shine some of Christ's light of truth on this whole area of purity. And, you know, if I'm honest, I'd much rather preach a sermon which tickles our ears, which is what I normally do, but I believe today will actually purify our hearts. And this will get uncomfortable, so put your seatbelts on, but I want to just say this, God's grace is far bigger than any mistake, any flaw in our character, anything that's ever happened. And this message, I want it to be received in grace, but also I want it to come with truth. Is that okay? God's desire for our lives is purity. I want you to write these three things down. Some of you need to take notes. And by the way, if you're sitting here today or watching online and saying, oh, I, kinda, I don't really need this, I'm kind of, maybe this isn't my vibe, it probably is someone's vibe in your world. There's probably someone in your world who's struggling in their marriage with pornography with some of these things I'm going to talk about today, and maybe you might have some keys uh, or principles that you can help them with. So that's why we encourage people just to jot a few things down to help them. This will also be, um, you know, this will be a resource that you can forward to people afterwards and say, if you're struggling in this area, this is something that could help. So write these three things down. This is three things that purity produces in our lives. Number one is this, purity produces power. We see in the life of Samson, when he lost his purity, he lost his power. Judges 16, 19, it says, and his strength left him. How many times do we see people, they lose their power and they lose their purity? Number two is this, purity produces security. When you're pure, you're secure. If you live a pure life, here's the thing, you haven't got to worry what's going to come out of the cupboard or the closet. So if you make a choice to live a pure life, stay married to the same spouse, you make a decision, you're going to guard what goes into your ear gates and your eye gates. If you make that decision, you actually live securely. Securely. Why? Mark 4.22 says, whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed will come out into the open. Third thing that purity does, I want to show you the power of of purity, why it's so important in our life, is purity produces blessing. I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. As a follower of Christ, I desire to walk in power, in security, and in blessing. Who doesn't want to walk in power, security, and blessing in their lives? So then David, I, lo- I love David. I see a lot of myself in David. And uh, he's a good guy, but he's obviously battling with a lot of, lot of things. And he goes to God and he asks this question. I think it's one of those profound questions a young man could ever ask God. Psalm 119, verse 9. He says, how can anyone stay on the path of purity? And then I think he might be a politician because he answers his own question. He says this, someone got it. <laughs> he says this, by living according to your word. I want to talk for the next few moments on a rise in purity. A rise in purity. We're in this Arise series, but I believe this is a... I actually think that not talking about this is doing more harm in society than talking about it. I think the church has gone far too quiet on subjects because we're afraid of what people might say. 
The reality is we need to speak truth into people's lives because it's truth that brings freedom. It's not John's truth. It's not soul church's truth. It's the Bible. We believe the Bible, okay? I believe every book in this, I believe every word in this book from front to the back. Does it mean it's not hard? Yes, it's hard to believe at times. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's so hard when it's so, you know, it's written in a different context. But I believe this is the book that brings people into freedom in their marriages, in their sexuality, in every area of their life. And so this is why I want to talk about it today, okay? So I want us to say this out loud. Are you ready? Sexual purity matters to God. Okay. We'll try that one more time. Ready? Sexual purity matters to God. Now, this is a sermon I wish that I would have heard when I was 14 or 15 or 16. All right? So this is a sermon I would love to have heard when I was younger. All I ever heard was, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I say, well, and then if you feel like doing it, get a cold shower. Growing up as a good Christian boy, I lived in the shower, okay? So it was don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And then it was, if you, you know, if you feel like doing it, get in the shower. And then the first thing is, if you have done it, repent, repent, repent. So that was kind of the sexual advice growing up. By the way, all good advice. But there's a lot more context to understand in the area of purity. So let's talk about what does, what does God's word say about purity. You all having a good day in church? Yeah. Have some water, much needed. Six principles. The Bible gives us six principles to stay on the path of purity. Number one. Number one is this. First principle is God, I believe that sex is a gift from you. This is the first principle to purity. Sex is not something we do. Sex is something we are. God created us as sexual beings. Mark 10, 6, 9 says, At the beginning of creation, God's made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. God created sex from the beginning. He thought it up. God is into sex. God loves sex. God wants you to enjoy sex. Cut the atmosphere in here. <laughs> sex is a gift from God in the boundaries of marriage. However, for some people, maybe tragically, their first experience of sex may have been an abusive one. And that's not God's gift for you. The gift God created was for love and for intimacy. Sex is far more than a physical gift. It's a spiritual gift. And I think this is where we get it mixed up. You see, the enemy has taken what God created, which was a gift from heaven, and he distorted it. And he's used it to cause havoc and pain in people's lives. And what was actually meant to be the glue that keeps marriages and relationships together, actually what it's done is it's been the very thing that's torn them apart and destroyed them. Now here's the deal breaker from the word of God. Sex is a gift. It's a gift between a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage. That's the first principle. The second principle is this. God, I accept 
I'm your child. I accept I'm your child. Here's the good news today. Whatever has happened in the past, if you are a believer in Christ, you are pure. Jesus does not have to keep going back to the cross every time we mess up in this area. It was a finished work. Past, present, and future sins covered in the precious blood of Jesus. Why? Because we are his children. John 1.12 says, But as many as received into them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. I am a child of God. So it means as a child of God, no matter what my mistakes, no matter what my baggage, no matter what my past, I am forgiven, I am righteous, I am clean, I am pure, I am a new creation in Christ. The starting point for purity is knowing who I am and whose I am. Right thinking leads to right believing and right believing leads to right living. If you want to live right, you've got to think right. And when you think right, you believe right. And when you believe right, you live right. So this is the starting point to a life of purity. The third thing is this. Third principle is, God, I refuse to believe the enemy's lies. I refuse to believe the enemy's lies. The enemy is selling this generation, this generation over here, and some of you scattered out in the crowd and online, but the majority of you over this right-hand side, it's an al- selling you a lie at an alarming rate when it comes to sex. 1 Peter 5.8 says, The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Who do they go after? The young ones. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. There are five enemies you've got to resist when it comes to staying on the path of purity. Five enemies, five lies that the enemy will throw at you. Number one is this. The first enemy, first lie is this, is everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it, so I might as well join in. I remember being at high school. There was a girl interested in me. She was human. (laughs) And I remember literally, apart from a couple of other lads in my year, they were coming in every day telling me about their sex stories. 15, 16 years old, telling me about how they lost their virginity the night before and I was telling them about my library books. <laughs> Football down the park. I got teased and bullied. So I didn't have the catalogue of stories that they had. I was actually bullied for being a virgin. And the constant lie from the enemy is this. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's sleeping around. Everyone's looking at porn. Everyone's having a secret affair. Everyone's doing it, so why don't you join in? Now, here's the truth. You're not everyone. You're not everyone. You have been bought with a price. You have been bought with a price. You are chosen. You are set apart. You are a child of God. Just because everyone's doing it doesn't mean to say you've got to join in. The second lie of the enemy when it comes to staying on the path is this, is that truth is only relative to the moment. 
Truth is only relative to the moment. In that moment, that sexual urge comes on. It feels good. Just do it. Relieve yourself. Of course, sex feels good. It's the most powerful force in the world. Only God could create something with such a force. The problem with the argument that truth is only relative to the moment is when the feelings wear off, we're left with the consequences. So when this sexual force, this urge wears off, what are we left with? Maybe it's a child that we never planned for. Maybe it's a disease that we've contracted in the moment. Maybe it's the feeling of guilt because we didn't keep the child. Take your notes, write this down. Truth is not relative to the moment. Truth is eternal. Truth is eternal. God's word, the principles that we are talking about now, written 6,000 years ago, are still relevant today. They're still relevant today. God's word is eternal. He says this, he says in John 4, 16, sorry, 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the feeling, and the life. No, he says the truth. He is the truth. In a world that is looking for truth, Jesus is the truth. And it's truth that leads to freedom in people's life. Now, let me share some old-fashioned truth about sex. He knows more about sex than we do. And God knows more about the implications of sex outside of his will than I do. So we come back to that first question, which is this. Does God know more about my life than I do? And if I agree that he does, then I should follow his ways, not my ways. Chantal and I were in Bible school together in Sydney. We started dating in the second year. Well, we actually started a little early. but you weren't meant to start till the second year, but like I say, she's only human. Uh, We took it underground for a term, but... In the summer term, um, all the student, majority of the students, national, international students went home and uh, we were left on our own. I couldn't afford to fly back to England. She couldn't afford to fly back to America, so we had six weeks. We were in love, we loved each other, and uh, of course, there was temptation. She battled it every moment of the day. (laughs) Every single moment. Um, She still does, but anyway. (laughs) One night, one night, I came over to her house and we watched a movie, and the temptation was I could stay over. Because all the students were away, big house, free house, and no one would have known. The lecturers would get home, and it would have been really easy just to stay over. The reality is, is I had to make a choice that night. Do I want to trade what's in front of me now for what I want most? And for all of us, and the thing is, you could st- that night could have been a night and something went wrong and she got hurt, she got pregnant and 
something could have happened, it could have ruined what we're enjoying now, which is 16 years of marriage. Has our marriage been easy? Not at all. We've been for a lot of bumps, and we've had help. We've had um, you know, support and pastoral care along the way, like most marriages. But we're still together. We're more in love with each other than ever before. And here's the thing. We made a choice in that moment. That truth is not just relevant to the moment, that truth is eternal. And so I'd have made a decision, as hard as it was to drive away, get in the shower, okay? <laughs> Some of you are like, what is going on in Soul Church this morning? <laughs> I actually don't know. Does God know more about my life than I do? You see, God can see the consequences of the moment. Line number three, as we keep moving on, we could stay on that one all day. Sex is just physical. The third lie that the enemy will spin is sex is just physical. We can just have sex as much as we want, fill our boots, watch porn, relieve ourselves, and we can just move on. Sorry, we can't. Here's the deal. Some of you have been in abusive sexual relationships, and I'm sorry. Maybe you felt used by someone. Maybe someone forced you to do something that you never desired. Maybe you feel shame because some of the content that you've viewed online. I've counseled countless, countless men who've been hooked on pornography and cannot break free. This is why. Because sex is spiritual, not just physical. It's a spiritual force. Why? Because God created it. And this is where we have to realize that intimacy creates a spiritual bond. And if we just treat this thing as a physical thing, we're actually going to do ourselves harm. And as the spiritual leader of this church, I've got to warn us. Why is it that our greatest regrets in life almost always involve sex? Because it's spiritual. It's actually when we are partaking in sex outside of the boundaries of marriage, we are actually, it's actually against God. Because it was his gift for us. And it's much deeper than we realize, far deeper. The fourth lie is this. The fourth lie the enemy says is test drive the car before you can decide on it. This is a great metaphor for your Tesla, but not your relationship. The man appeals to you, why would you marry someone if you've not had sex with her? Well, let me unpack that a little moment. We are probably sexually compatible with millions of people in the world. Millions. But the challenge is this, we are not relationally compatible with millions of people. There's a difference between being sexually and relationally compatible with people. And so God says, what I want you to do is discover whether you are relationally compatible. And if you get to the point where you go, yeah, this works. We're going to be able to do life together. Then I want to bless the relationship, the natural relationship with the physical gift of sex and the spiritual gift of sex. But people get it the wrong way around. So we jump into a sexual relationship and all of a sudden, three months later, you're not who I thought you were. That's because we're sexually compatible with so many people, but relationally, 
it's marginal. And isn't it better to find out whether we're relationally compatible rather than sexually compatible? Because relationally compatible is not spiritual. And if we're not relationally compatible, here's what, we just, we can move on. And yeah, there's probably some heartbreak and pain, but there's not the spiritual pain. So if we introduce sex to our relationships before the right time, we're actually building on the wrong foundations. You know, we spend less than 1% of our time in marriage having sex. Graham Hollinger worked out that was 14 minutes. Thank you, Graham. 99% of our time is building relationally. When you get married, you soon realize it ain't Hollywood at home. Someone's got to clean the dishes. Someone's got to put the bins out. Someone's got to figure out how to get the schools under. We think it's just going to be this experience. No, 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 no. It's relationship. Write this down. Experience is not essential to marriage, but purity is. Experience is often hurt, pain, baggage, and shame. You have 50 plus years to figure out your sex life. You have months to figure out whether you're relationally compatible. One more little, little nugget for you. Choose purity over chemistry. Purity over chemistry. One of the reasons that I chose Chantel is she wanted purity over chemistry. The chemistry, we soon figured out. John, we just need to move in together first. We'll have separate rooms. No, you don't. You're opening the gift which God created for your wedding. Research shows that 70% of couples which move in together before marriage end up in divorce. 70%. When we get married, what happens is we create a spiritual covenant. And it's you and your partner, and then you bring someone else in, which is the Holy Spirit. In Ecclesiastes, it says in chapter 4, verse 12, it says a threefold cord is uneasily broken. You cannot make a marriage work when there's just two of you. You need three of you. Three of you. Now, this is the next lie for those who want to get married. Okay, fifth lie of the enemy is this. You need to be financially secure before you get married. Chantal and I were not financially secure when we got married. And I would rather go into marriage poor and pure When you find the right one, you love each other, you're committed to each other, you are relationally compatible, we can come up with all the excuses in the world, we need to move in together, we've got to save the deposit, and all these things which creates time, which can create complexities in the relationship. Marriage is not built on money. Marriage is built on trust. Trust in God and trust in one another. By the way, you don't stay poor either because God will bless you. All right, that's, are we okay? Should we just take a breath? Uh, 
Oh my goodness me, someone shouted out a shower. Fourth principle, fourth principle. This is the fourth one, you ready? God, I commit to purity. What is purity? I'm glad you asked. We've been talking about it for half an hour. I'm going to explain what is purity. You ready? Really quickly, I want your way over my way. Purity is when you choose God's way in your life over your way. I can either choose to desire sex my way or God's way. My way, I set the standard. God's way, he's already set the standard. God's way, wait for this. God's way, he sets the standard and I already know the outcome. Or my way is I set the standard and I don't know the outcome. Now, why would I ever choose a way when I don't know the outcome? So if I choose God's way when it comes to purity, strength, security, what's the third one? Blessing. Blessing. That's the way. His way, there is no regret, shame, or pain. But if I choose purity, which means I choose, what we say, what's purity? God's way over my way. But if I choose purity... Here's the deal. It comes with boundaries. I love football. I love football. But here's the thing. Football comes with boundaries. Called bylines. Called free kicks and fouls. There's a game of boundaries. If football had no rules, football would be no fun. Create boundaries. I love driving. But guess what? Aren't you glad that we have some boundaries on our road? As much as we hate that red light at the end of the road, I thank God for that red light because if we didn't have that red light, we would go crazy and we'd pull out and someone would hit. So, so the Norfolk Highways, God bless them, they set boundaries for our church to save us. I love card games. Our family's into Uno. My son has his own set of boundaries for Uno. Write this down. Boundaries are not sent to harm us. They are sent to keep us safe. So God isn't putting restrictions on us. He created sex. He loves sex. He wants you to enjoy sex. He didn't do this because he wants to harm us. He did it because he wants you to enjoy it. It's the exact opposite to what people think about God. But the Bible makes it clear that sex is exclusively reserved for a husband and wife who are committed to one another in marriage. And no one shouted, Amen. Anything outside of that, like sex before marriage, sex outside of marriage, will have profound consequences on our emotions, our spiritual well-being, even our physical well-being. And Solomon, he gives us a life-saving boundary for desiring purity. As the team come up. Proverbs 4.23, he says this. He says, I'm going to put my name in there to make it personal to me. He says, John, be careful what you think because our thoughts run our lives. Wow, what a life-saving verse. Be careful, John, what you think. Every time John's mind wanders off, He's in danger. Why? Because temptation starts. The battle for sexual purity, which is choosing God's way over my way, begins and ends in the mind. 
Now, I want to share something with you that was shared with me 25 years ago, and it has helped me as a leader, has helped me as a man. You ready? What the eye sees, the mind conceives, and the body acts upon. Guys, grab this now. What the eye sees, this can be to do with money, this can be to do with uh, glory, the three things that trip men up, gold, glory, girls, the three Gs, that's another Bible school message. But the eye sees, the mind conceives, and then the body acts upon. Which means when our eyes see something, whether it's the tub of yogurt in Sainsbury's, we've got to make a decision. What do I do with that thought? What do I do with that thought? Because the moment we entertain it, a seed can grow in our minds. The battle for sexual purity is won and lost in our minds. Romans 12.2 says, Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So every time a lustful thought, temptation, something pops up, this is what I have to say, is what I said earlier. God, I refuse to trade what I want most for what I have now. What I have now is a website in front of me. What I have now is someone sent me a text or an image. But I'm not going to trade that for what I want most, which is my beautiful family. We all have to make that decision. I want a happy marriage. God wants you to have a happy relationship, a happy marriage, whatever season of life you're in. But that moment of pleasure can lead to a lifetime of heartache. So the fifth principle is this, is God, I need your help. God, I need your help. Purity is not a battle that you and I can win alone. We need help. Married couples, singles, we need help. Doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are, holy you think you are, mature you think you are, none of us can do the battle for sexual purity alone. I have a good friend, spiritual father in my life. Every time we meet up, we meet up three or four times a year. I travel down to London just to spend an hour with him. And he asks me the same question every time we sit down for our lunch or dinner. He says, John, how are you doing in the area of your sexuality? What have you looked at on the internet recently? How are you and Chantel doing in your marriage? He asks me questions. Why? Because none of us, of course, happened in our world over the last couple of years. We've all got to be big enough to say this is an area we can all struggle in. We talk and we pray and we process. And I want to share something with you today, and it's not meant to frighten you. And I please, I want you to hear it in the heart it's said in. That if we're consistently living a secret, when it comes to this area of our lives, exposure is certain. Exposure is certain. Not because I think it's certain, it's because God's word says this. It says in Numbers 32, 23, it says, be sure our sins. Nobody's clapping right now. I get it. But you see, sin has to come out. Has to. Because God's word cannot be mocked. God will not be mocked. So before it's exposed, here's what we do. We ask God for help. And we ask each other for help. 
And God will send help in many different forms, but we need to recognize it. The first help is in his word. David said in Psalm 119, 11, he says, my word I have hidden in my heart, so I will not sin against you. See what sin is? It's against God. His word. The second is, God, I need a way of escape. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has over- overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Do you know how many times in my life I can see that scripture so real? That in a moment of temptation, God provides the craziest little way out of the situation. God will always provide a way out. It's up to you if you take it. It's up to you. It's not up to me or it's up to you. The third thing I want to encourage you when it comes to help is find an accountability partner. Find someone you can talk to. Solomon said again, he said, King Solomon, iron sharpens iron. Speak to someone. What I'm going to do at the end of this service is you can reach out online as well and say, Drop your details in the chat and one of our team will reach out either today or this week. But when we close this service, we're going to pray for people. If you want some help and pray, I realize that I probably opened up a lot of things today. But our prayer team is going to be down the front. If you want prayer and support and care in this area, you can step out at the end after we've closed the service and we, we can pray. But this is why groups are so important. So we have one another. God, I believe that sex is a gift from you. God, I believe that I am your child. God, I refuse to believe the enemy's lies. God, I desire purity. God, I need your help. And the sixth and final principle on this path of purity is this. God, I receive your grace over my shame. God, I receive your grace. Romans 8 says, There is now no condemnation, no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. The reason there is no shame isn't because Jesus went soft on sin. It's because of the law of double jeopardy. The law of double jeopardy says you cannot be punished twice for the same crime. Jesus has already been punished for every one of my sin, every one of my mistakes in this area of purity. And today you can live in freedom. He was beaten, he was scorned, he was punished, and he cried out, it is finished. Not I am finished, it is finished. He's paid for our sin. Receive his grace today as we stand. Receive his grace. I'm not what I've done. I'm whom my heavenly Father says I am. Today, today, I want to finish by asking this question. The question is this. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, not what are you saying to the person sitting beside me, not what are you saying to the person who should be watching, what are you saying to me in this moment? I want everyone just to close their eyes and the worship team are going to shut their eyes. This is a moment of privacy. If you're saying, John, this is an area of my life that 
I need help. I need to get back on the path of purity. I want to do it God's way. Because he knows more about my life than I do. I'm determined to stay on the path. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand to heaven and say, God, I need you in this area. All over this room, come on, there's no shame. Let's, Let's believe right now for freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Many hands going up. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm going to pray right now. Father, I pray right now for your grace to cover us. Lord, I thank you that where the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And I thank you for your grace in this area of our lives. And Father, even though there are so many temptations, there are so many things. Society tells us to do it one way and your word says it to go another. Lord, we trust your word. I believe that God wants to heal people today. God wants to heal people, but you can't heal if you pretend you weren't hurt. God wants to heal people in this place today. I really sense there's a healing that's going to start today in this area of your life. I feel like people are just... We're living it. We don't want to even admit to it. But Father, right now, I pray for your healing virtue. For those who've been in abusive relationships, Father, for those who've been hurt by wrong motives, for those who've been hurt by what they've seen, for those who've been hurt in this area, Lord, I pray for your healing power, your cleansing power. I thank you the blood of Jesus is stronger, can still heal, can still make white as snow, Father, this area of our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Come on, let's sing this out. Thank you, God. The blood of Jesus was shed on the cross that we could know forgiveness for our sins. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to receive His love and receive the grace that we've been talking about today. God's grace, God's love is towards you. His heart is towards you. Maybe you've been through pain in your life, disappointment and hurt. Maybe you've experienced rejection in relationships, in marriage. Maybe you've been hurt by this whole area of purity. Maybe you've been doing life your own way, but today you're saying, God, I need help. I need your help. Starting a life of purity actually begins by having a relationship with the one who made us pure in the first place. I would love to pray for you. You're saying today, John, I'm I'm not in relationship with with Jesus. I don't know him as my personal savior. Maybe I know him as a figure in history. Maybe I know him through the times I've been to church at Christmas, but I don't have that intimate personal relationship. You can have that today. He loves you. Whether you're watching online, whether you're in the room, his arms are outstretched towards you. God's not judging you. God just wants to throw his loving arms around you. He wants to keep you secure. I'm going to pray right now, but I'd love to know who I'm praying for. If you're in the room online, simply get an account of three and say, John, include me in that prayer. I want to receive Christ as my personal Savior. All over this room, from the front to the back, from left to the right, say, John, pray for me. Include me in that prayer. 
Maybe you've been doing life on your own. It just hasn't worked out. Today, why don't you give God a chance? He is real, my friend. He is real. So all over this room, one, two, three. Just slip up your hand and say, yes. John, include me. Include me. Pray for me today. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else say, that's me. God bless you. All right, you can put your hands down. We're going to say this prayer out loud. I want you to say it online at home as well. Father God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he loves me. Thank you that he died on the cross for me. Right now, I ask you to come and live in my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Give me a new start from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fantastic. Come on, let's give a clap to everyone who made that decision. And if you lifted up your hand and you said, hey, I want to connect with God, or maybe you've listened but you just want some more information, our team will be hanging out in the foyers or you can scan the QR code on the seat in front of you. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd like to give you a gift. It's a Bible. It really just does celebrates today. But I'd encourage you to keep coming back to church. And also, take a read and read about the words of Jesus we've been talking about today, the standard which we live our lives by. And uh, it will help you. So well done for making that decision. And uh, make sure you tell someone. That's important. You let someone know about that decision. And we'd love to see you again in church. Well, is it possible to live a pure life? I believe the answer is yes. yes. It's yes. yes. By living not according to the standards set by people around us, but by living in accordance to God's Word. Chantel and I, we're committed to this journey. We're committed to staying married. We're committed to loving one another. We're committed to this church because we love you. And I don't speak like this very often. You know me. I haven't spoken like this for a year or two, but we do this because we want to see your life flourish. Seen so many people's lives destroyed because they've done it their own way. And I would be doing us as a church a disservice if I let these things just fly under the radar. When you live according to God's word, security, blessing, protection over this area of your life. You received the word today. Fantastic. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.